I didn't get really into Bruce until I was probably 20. Like, like I said, obviously, I grew up in Bruce's town, so I knew all the hits. I knew sure. every top 20 Bruce song that's on the radio. Yeah. But it wasn't until yeah. I was about 20 years old that I started getting into uh, the whole back catalog. It, it had a profound impact on me, sort of. In a in a way, I have never connected with another artist. His his music spoke to me. Uh, something about being that age is like the right age to get into Bruce because you're 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 free. You're no longer a kid. You're you're sort of a young adult and you're stepping out into the world. And those early '70s albums, it's all about that. Here's the night. It's yours. Go make of it what you will and enjoy your adventure. Especially the Born to Run album. And, you know, when you're in your early 20s, that's kind of what you're feeling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today is a fellow podcaster. He does a music podcast and a Springsteen fan that has a something a little bit in common with the boss. So, John, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Hey, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Good. So tell us a little about yourself. So I am the host of the Count Rockula podcast. It's a, a, a rock top 10 list countdown podcast. We do a top 10 albums about this, top 10 songs about that, top 10 songs that have a question mark in them, best second track on an album, best debut album, that kind of thing. Um, but we tend to stick within the rock milieu and, and not really branch out into you know pop or hip-hop or any other types of music so you could find us uh on apple it's the count rockula podcast we're on twitter at the count rockula podcast but before i got into podcasting i you know am a very big bruce fan i've seen him probably around somewhere between 10 and 20 times but you know i'm young for a bruce fan i guess i'm in my 30s so I think that's a lot for somebody who's my age. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing I think about my fandom of Bruce is that Bruce and I are from the same town. Um, oh, really? Well, I should be a little a little more exact. Bruce and I are from five minutes away from each other. Uh, well, his ha- the house that he grew up in in Freehold is from five minutes from where I grew up yeah. in another town called yeah. Marlboro. But it's also they go to the same high school, regional district. It's essentially the same area, you know, growing up in that area, Bruce is obviously a big deal. You know, he's a big deal in all of New Jersey, but especially this particular corner of New Jersey, it's like, you can't avoid Bruce. Even if you don't like music, you don't like rock, you know, Bruce, because he's your local guy in a different way than, you know, Bon Jovi or, you know, Whitney Houston or any other New Jersey local celebrity. Yeah, uh, so I always, um, that's interesting. I, I now 
am trying to figure out how I can invite myself onto your podcast and what top 10 lists would we took. Um, you know, I do, we've done our share of lists on the podcast um, to celebrate our five-year anniversary. Uh, I've been doing the podcast. Uh, last year was five years. Um, I had three or four guests join me and we all picked our top five fifth tracks of Bruce's studio albums. And this oh, year we brought everyone else back and it was the sixth anniversary. September was six years and we did our top sixth track. And uh, we're already talking about not only on seven, but we should go back and do, you know, first track, second track, third track and, and play that. So well, um, for fifth tracks, you can't beat Born to Run, right? I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Yes, it was. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, but I have a hard debate about Badlands versus uh, Thunder Road. That's not a bad. Yeah, exactly, right. and and so we did, and it was uh, the sixth track. We had a lot of fun. Uh, there were there was a lot of diversity. Um, like for fifth, there was a lot more synergy. With six, there was a lot more choice. Uh, so I, I could see your podcast would lead to a lot of fun discussions. Well, right? you know, I'd love to have you on because we're, you know, the first two, there's two seasons out so far. And the, yeah. the first two seasons have gone, like I told you, you know, like uh, best songs that are sexual innuendo. Yeah. We did one that was like a pandemic one. Best songs about being trapped somewhere, obviously trapped made the list. Yeah. Um, but uh, the third season, we're going to focus in on particular artists. So we're going to do the top 10 songs from, you know, each artist that we choose to do and bring on an expert, quote unquote, in the band or artist to, uh, to guest. So we'd love to have you on on the Bruce episode. Well, yeah. And the other thing, I, I'm another big fan of the Beach Boys and John Hyatt is one of my favorite non, you know, Springsteen ones. And so, yeah, I'm welcome anytime. You know, I what we did um, in an earlier episode, God, probably four years ago, is Jay Armstrong and I did Bruce's best geography songs. We picked our best five songs naming a place, and both of us picked Atlantic City as the number one, but there was a lot of fun discussion on you know like american land or you know right. other things so th th does it, do you count where he mentions places within lyrics not in the titles because like you know uh you know new, new jersey turnpike highway right. nine you know these are all locations that resonate with me but they're not song titles right and so i think if i remember correctly we picked it had to be in the song title like obviously new york serenade would make it and and uh, you know cadillac ranch could have been because that's a place everything right. so yeah um i think part of the fun and i would enjoy and i'm really looking forward to checking out our podcast right is we as humans making lists will make the rules stretch, you know, and bend and kind of, you know, have our fun with it. We get very creative, I think, at times. Right. Well, people love lists. And we were talking a little bit about that before we yeah. went on the air. But something about our human nature, our psychology compels us to click on a list. It's, it's how clickbait works. You know, you see yes, an article of like top top five you know uh whatever and you're like oh i wonder what the top one is i have to click on it yes so we kind of take that premise into the podcast and figure well 
you know, you know, some people have the, the feeling is like, well, who cares what these guys think? They're not dispositive. You know, I've, I've been doing this project where I've been listening through Rolling Stones top 500 albums in order from 500 to one. And some people are like, who cares what Rolling Stone thinks? But, you know, I think there's something to be said about people who have, uh, you know, refined uh, taste in, in music and know what they're talking about. You know, there are people that say like, well, I don't like the Beatles or whatever. It's like, okay, well, that person's wrong. And I don't care what that person says. They're objectively wrong about that fact. So, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, hearing a top 10 podcast, one, you know, it sh you know shows other people who might not know a particular song or an album, oh, I never heard number eight. And that's been working wonders with me for this 500 list where, you know, I'll come to this artist and be like, oh, I never, I never knew this band or, uh, you know, I never heard this album in full. So it's been a great project. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where um, you can discover. And I, I, I recently, just this week, past couple of days, I, I retweeted, I think it was The Guardian had a um, talk about clickbait, you know, where to dive uh, on Bruce Springsteen's back catalog, right? And so, and they named Born to Run, Born in the USA, The River, Darkness on the Edge of Town. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay, boy, y'all really went on a limb there, didn't you? Right, I was going to say, back that long. That's, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, did, you know, uh, and, you know, I um, I always bring up this, and, and we, you know, I... I criticize, but at the same time, it, everyone has their own thoughts and opinions. But whenever I hear someone be the boss on Sirius XM, you know, where they pick five Bruce Springsteen songs and, you know, if they pick Thunder Road, I'm like, OK, yes, everyone loves Thunder Road. You're 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 preaching to a channel dedicated to Bruce Springsteen unless right. there is a specific you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, hearing Thunder Road saved your life or, or, you know, that that's a slot that is a given, right? Like, of, of course, everyone thinks Thunder Road is that because most of us do. I mean, 99.9% .9 of Springsteen fans are going to go, you know, yeah, Thunder Road's something magical. Well, that's why we're having these experts on in season three, um, because people who are really invested in the music are going to have a different top 10 list than, you know, the general public do. Like we had, we just did a Metallica episode and, you know, maybe the Metallica, you know, general public is going to rank Enter Sandman number one, but, you know, diehard Metallica fans probably heard Enter Sandman 10,000 times and wouldn't make it on their top 10. So, you know, the same thing with Born to Run or Born in the USA or Thunder, you know, it's like, yeah. We're more yeah, big, big, you know, diehard fans are more interested in some of the, the deeper tracks. Absolutely. All right. Well, John, I always like to start at the beginning. So talk to me growing up in, um, you know, Bruce's hometown, my hometown, your hometown. Uh, talk about growing up and talk. What kind of music was your family listening to when you were um, a child? So my father is uh, a big music freak. You know, he he's peak baby boomer, um, you know, grew up in the came of age, I should say, as a teenager in the mid 60s with the Beatles. And, you know, that that great revolution of, of modern popular music in the mid 60s. 
Um, but you know, a lot of people that age sort of, okay, they like the Beatles and the stones and they kind of fell off of it and that's all they really care about. But he kept, you know, his interest in music throughout the, you know, I threat still now he's coming up with new bands. Like, oh, have you heard this new artist, which is extremely rare for 60 something year old person to say, you know, check out this new band. But, you know, in the nineties, he was listening to Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, uh, he's, he's got his sort of, uh, favorites that are he's a big power pop kind of guy he loves Elvis Costello and uh Graham Parker and Nick Lowe and um the cars he used to back in the early 90s when I was growing up he would record this radio program off of WNEW and it would always be you know interesting new music combination of new music old music uh so I grew up listening to his music in in the car uh, on long drives. He didn't force it on me. You know, it was always just kind of there. And he would always say, oh, this is this artist. This is that person. Sort of when I became 15, 16 years old, I got into it on my own. In the, I would say, the hard rock side of classic rock. I got really into Black Sabbath. I got really into ACDC, Van Halen. Kiss, Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, that stuff doesn't really do it for me so much anymore. But when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, that was what I was really into. Uh, And I, you know, as I got older, my music taste sort of changed and got different. I got, you know, into uh, the Allman Brothers Band and the Grateful Dead and the band some of that, you know, sort of Americana jam music. I mean, people say the dead's a jam band, but not in the way that like fish or, you know, uh, some of the modern jam bands are, they're sort of just like a rock band that plays bluegrass and influence blues, whatever. But, you know, I definitely grew up in a big, big music house and everything from the clash to uh, Led Zeppelin to of course, Bruce, where it was always, you always knew, okay, you know, first of all, Bruce ever came on the radio, my dad would always say, oh, that's the boss, you know, that's the boss, okay, that's the boss, I get it. And then when you learn that this guy grew up five minutes from here, you take a little more of an interest in it, this sort of pride, you hear it on the radio, say, oh, that's, that's, that's my guy. So I didn't get really into Bruce until I was probably 20. Like I said, obviously, I grew up in Bruce's town, so I knew all the hits, I knew sure every top 20 Bruce song that's on the radio. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was about 20 years old that I started getting into uh, the whole back catalog. It it had a profound impact on me sort of in a, in a way I had never connected with another artist. His, his music spoke to me Uh, something about, being that age is like the right age to get into Bruce because you're, 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 you're free. You're no longer a kid. You're, you're sort of a young adult and you're stepping out into the world. And those early seventies albums, it's all about that. Here's the night. It's yours. Go make of it what you will and enjoy your adventure, especially the born to run album. And, you know, when you're in your early twenties, that's kind of what you're feeling. Yeah, in fact, I was that was my next question. You've kind of explained that, but I, if you could expand a little more. All right. So obviously you've heard Bruce a lot. It, it you know, it's in the DNA. You know, it's kind of like asking the question, uh, 
when did you find out that your parents used Tide washing detergent? I, you know, we never had a discussion where, oh, look, this is what we use. This is just, it was there, right? So once you, at this age, expand a little bit on what about his music spoke to you, and especially based on what your dad had, you know, listened to and you had listened to, you had a wide palette of music, you know, influences. So talk a little bit more about like why this guy, in addition to, you know, a young man going out his own kind of spoke to you. I think there's a few things going on. Um, one, I was probably, this is probably right around the time that the rising came out. So as opposed to 9-11, I grew up very close to New York City. So, you know, we could see smoke billowing from the, the, the city on the day. And, you know, his his rising album had a big impact on the area and sort of was a, it's no surprise to anybody who's a big Bruce fan, but it was a rebirth for him. So as he's becoming more Popular is not the right word, but as he's becoming more relevant again, uh, I became more aware of, oh, he's still putting out new music. He's not just, you know, uh, you know, uh, radio hits from the 70s and 80s. And then I was at a concert. I cannot remember what it was, but they had on a screen waiting for the band to go on a projector screen of his performance at uh, the Hammersmith Odeon in 75 on the Born to Run tour. And it just knocked me out. I mean, in a way, I saw him in a light and in a way that I had never seen before because, you know, I'm, I'm, I was at that point used to Bruce, who was a 45 year old guy, however he, how old he was in 2002 or so. And now here's this young 20 year old kid. He's got this, silly hat on and seeing it with the full band uh who are also young steve is young clarence is in a big white suit i mean the whole east street sound uh was just so compelling to me and you know from a, a musical standpoint that era of the big band sound i think you could hear it probably best on you know some of the wild and the innocent tracks where it's the horns the keys the brass i mean obviously born born to run has a lot of that orchestral sound glockenspiel fell specter wall of sound stuff doing it but the the large you know sort of soul performances uh got to me and you know like i said i was a, a big fan of the dead and, and live music and I never knew that there was this whole world of Bruce bootlegs and Bruce live shows that people obsessed about. I just knew, okay, he's a, he's, he's an icon. He's got all these great studio albums, but I wasn't aware of the fact that there was this tape trading environment, just like there is for the dead and some of these other bands around Bruce. And then I started getting into the tapes and I started getting into, uh, what I call Passaic Night. I think some people call it Piece de Resistance. It's like Capitol Theater 78 from Passaic, New Jersey. 
And that was the straw that broke the camel's back because I was like, oh, my God, this show is incredible. And uh, that turned into listening to some more shows from the Darkness Tour, from the River Tour. Uh, I got really into the 75 through 85 box set. Um, His later stuff, I never really loved in the same way. I mean, I like his, you know, I like Tunnel of Love. It's okay. Some people love it. I don't. It's fine. Um, and his 90s stuff, I don't think anybody's going to say that Lucky Town or Brilliant, you know, um, uh, any of those albums are on the same level. But uh, Human Touch is the other album I was thinking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a long way of saying that uh, he just spoke to me in a, a musical level. Yeah. Um, so uh, I often think. And I have a personal feeling, and this is just a bias on my part, that um, I think you need to have your heart broken multiple times or have been married for a long time to really get Tunnel of Love. Um, But that may not necessarily be the case, but that's what I feel like. I mean, I feel that while I like Tunnel of Love right when it came out, now as someone who's been married for 35 years the album really speaks to me right i i get the struggles and the the challenges of a marriage um when did you you mentioned a few you mentioned how many times you've seen them and i always have to give the preference that uh for my listeners the amount of times you've seen them live i don't think is a fair barometer of how big a fan you are um it depends on economic situation your age where you're located you know if you're a 22 year old you know living in des moines iowa the chances of getting to see bruce live are pretty pretty rare compared to you know a a 58 year old guy living in philly you know but for the record repeat again how many times you've seen him and when was the first show the first show is definitely on the rising tour um i've probably seen him 10 somewhere between 10 and 15 times i would estimate i've seen him like once a tour you know maybe you know i saw him on the rising tour i saw him on the magic tour i saw him on the uh the the, what's working, the on a dream. Name? working on a dream tour i saw a couple yeah. shows in that tour you know and then he did this string of shows at giant stadium and i'm very lucky to live very close to giant stadium where he always does a special kind of performance yeah where he performed um night after night full albums you know one night would be born to run one night would be you know born in the usa and that was before he did his river tour so yeah. i saw a number of shows on that tour I saw the river show a couple times. I saw him in Paris, which is actually, I was on my honeymoon in Paris and it just so happened that I was going to be in Paris and Bruce was going to be in Paris. So there's no freaking way I'm going to Paris and Bruce is going to be in Paris and I'm not seeing Bruce in Paris. Okay, so tell me that story. I, I mean, I, that's gotta be great. So you, you're on your Paris on your honeymoon. Uh, is your yeah. significant other a Bruce fan? By proxy, I mean, sort of when yeah. we first started dating, I said, okay, here's your homework. Start with uh, greetings and then work your way through. Uh, listen to the each album. So she's, she's obviously, she's from Jersey too. So she is, you know, knows Bruce pretty well. But she, I would say she's a fan now. I wouldn't say okay. she's, she, she was before we met. But, um, we, you know, it's not like 
I'm in Paris and I see the marquee and it's like, oh my God. It was like, no, we knew okay. going to Paris around the same time that he was going to be in Paris. But it was actually a crazy show because halfway through the concert, the lights cut, the sound cuts, everything cuts out. You could probably Google it or, or find a yeah. bootleg of the show, yeah. but there was some sort of power failure uh, during the concert and I'm trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Everybody was speaking French. I had no idea what was, yeah. was happening. I was concerned. Oh, is this a terrorist attack? Because there's just been like that sure. week, a major terrorist attack in, in Cannes, uh, France, in the South of France. Yeah. And uh, not Cannes. I don't remember the city. It was the city in the, in the very South of France. Um, nice. It was a Nice, major terrorist attack in Nice. So I'm like, oh my God, am I going to get gunned down here? Um, but it was just some sort of power failure. And uh, that was that was fun. It was interesting. Well, 50,000 uh, French blue, uh, Bruce fans uh, singing with the lights out. I love that story. I have a good friend who told me the story. He happened to be in um, Spain and independently and um and they i guess they had had an an english version of a newspaper and he is reading it and he's like hey bruce springsteen is performing like a hundred miles away like in two days and so he looks over at his wife like okay we've got to go and she's like sure right. sure so you yeah. know they get in the car that's great that's awesome. Uh, i hear spain is right i've seen you know from watching concerts spain is the yeah. place in europe yeah. to see him and not that france wasn't great it was a, it was a good show but um i had seen that concert a number of times i saw that river tour at the garden like three times and this was the same show where you know what i love about bruce is the unpredictability of the set and you go and you never know what you're going to see. You never know what songs he's going to bust out. And although I love The River, it's one of my favorite Bruce albums. This is like the fourth time hearing The River. And it's like, I wish these 20 songs were just 20 other songs by that point. Yeah. Um, my my wife asked me that question because I went to four shows on the River Tour. You know, the second River Tour. I, I did um, Pittsburgh. Then I did Louisville, then I did Oklahoma City, and then I did Dallas. And she said, are you bored? Because I know one of the things, in fact, the diversity of a set list is how I got, I named this podcast, right? Set Lusting Bruce, because you're following along. He plays a song that he hasn't played in a long time. Instead of set listing, you start set lusting. Damn, I wish I was there. Um and I said, no, I said, I didn't mind it at all. The songs I didn't like on the river four shows later, I still didn't like uh, the songs I really loved. I still loved. Um, I, I liked Independence Day more after hearing it live. Um, I was I didn't dislike Independence Day, but hearing it live, seeing someone in his 60s singing from the perspective of a song that he probably wrote when he was in his 20s and he's now actually older than his father was you know the song about it that 
dichotomy really spoke to me and made me appreciate that song more than I ever had before. That's interesting. I love the version of Independence Day on the box set 7585 where he tells the story. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, me and my dad, he, he cut my hair, he didn't like my guitar, whatever. You know, it's the famous story he tells at the beginning of that song. Yeah. I love the arrangement of the music behind that story, too, on that Independence Day track. So I don't think I'll ever do better than that. Um, yeah. But, you know, the River Tour and the River album has some of the, you know, the number one song I want to hear when I go see Bruce is Out in the Street. Number one. That's the one I want to hear. Um, so you're going to get that. And then, you know, who doesn't love Hungry Heart at a live Bruce show? Yeah. That's one of the most fun parts and uh and uh sherry garland is yeah. a great live song to hear too so now on the street is my son's favorite bruce springsteen song um and and the reason why is he when he heard it the first time and then he heard it again he looked over to me and he's in his 30s and he said you know dad I don't care if you're the CEO of a multi-million dollar corporation or you are the lowest paid minimum wage agent working at a call center or a dock. There's not one person who's in a business life that on Monday morning isn't already thinking about Friday. And he says, just, you know, regardless of where you are in the corporate world, it's just human nature. And he loves that line, you know, when the foreman calls time, I've already got Friday on my mind. Um, I love the song a lot, especially over the last few years, because the ending when he gives every member of the band, a ch- like out in the street, oh, Susie, and she part. goes, out in the street, out in the street, right. you know. It's not uh, the same without Clarence, though. No, it isn't. But it, I, but I love that them, you know, little Stephen and and Gary and and you know and just people you don't normally hear except in harmony. To hear them do that is just. I don't hilarious. know if it's the reunion tour concert film. Yeah, one of the concert films from like the late '90s, early 2000s. There's a great live performance of that where they I, I i'm pretty sure it's the reunion yeah. tour right yeah yeah absolutely um so talk to me about some of the other shows do you have some other fun stories i love the paris one that's or the the well my favorite all time is i would call it the bruce birthday show okay. i don't know how old he was turning maybe he was turning like 65 or something like that yeah. but it was at giant stadium on the wrecking ball tour um and it had poured for you know prior to the show i think he opened with uh who will stop the rain or have you ever seen the rain one of those Creedence songs about rain i forget which one but um it was a show where it felt like he was having a great time on his, you know, he was having fun. He wasn't there performing. This is his job. Not that he ever really makes it feel that way, but you know, there are some kind of shows where he's putting in work and then there are some shows where he looks like he's having a blast. And at the end of that show, his mom came on stage. They brought him a cake. They sang happy birthday, you know, and because it's every show in Jersey to me is is special because it feels like a homecoming show to him. Um, 
So that was a lot of fun. I had floor seats, you know, GA pit seats, which I don't always wind up getting. Um, I was there with my wife and my like, you know, couple really good friends who are all big Springsteen fans. And we just had a blast and, you know, it doesn't get, doesn't get better than that. If you look up giant stadium wrecking ball tour and uh, a credence cover, you'll find that show, but it was one, of, it was his birthday that I know for sure. And they That's awesome. you know, brought That's out great. a big cake. At the end. That's good. Um, is I have most of the shows been in that, you know, kind of, um, East Coast area uh, is Paris. Yeah, there? never. Aside from Paris, I've never seen him outside of either Giant Stadium or Madison Square Garden. I might have seen him where the Nets used to play. It used to be called the Continental Continental yeah. Airlines Arena, but I don't. Maybe that was a long time ago. I don't remember. Okay. But yeah, I've never seen him outside New York, New Jersey, in the United States. But what I find so interesting is that you know when you're waiting in line for the pit. You meet people from all over the country and all over the world. You know, this is like, oh, we came in from Louisville or we came in from, you know, Florida. And it's like, oh, I, I came here for, from 20 minutes away. But, uh, you know, I feel lucky to, to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I love that. And I made the joke. Um, it wasn't till... I guess the High Hopes tour, no, it was the Wrecking Ball tour, that um, I had a light switch go off that say, oh, wait, if he's not coming to Dallas, Houston, or Austin, you can drive to go see him, right? Like, you know, and so uh, since then, we've kind of done that. And we, my son and I did go to, um, after the river tour, came back into, you know, it went to Europe, then it came back and he did that um, two shows at Met. And then, you know, he went off from one and came back for a third show. We were on that second show, which was at the time, one of the longest shows in the U.S., and uh it it did feel special to hear him in you know in jersey there at you know the metlife stadium that was the show where the guy got on stage and proposed to his girlfriend during jersey girl and uh it was it i don't think it's it's hype to say and I've never been to a Philly show. I hear they are pretty special. I've never, I would love to go to Madison Square Garden just for, you know, the idea you're at this iconic venue and seeing Bruce, but seeing it at that stadium was pretty cool and feeling like it, it was to mix our sports metaphors, right? It was a hometown crowd, right? Like the, they were all cheering the home team. And in this case, it was the E Street Band. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the feeling you get. And and to further that point, I mean, talking about sports, I think I was at the show on the Wrecking Ball tour. No, it couldn't have been on the Wrecking Ball tour because it was before, before the Wrecking Ball album was released, but it was the day or night that he debuted the song Wrecking Ball. And it was the closure of Giants, the old Giant Stadium before they built MetLife Arena or whatever it's called now. And they turned that into a music video, but I was there for that. And oh, cool. uh yeah. And when he says, you know, I was raised out of steel here in the swamps of Jersey. And then he takes a beat, you know, and, and waits for the crowd to react. I mean, that was spine tingling because 
you know, most people there were raised in Jersey and, um, you know, there's a lot of lyrics in that song, you know, where giants played the game and, you know, that song is about the tearing down of giant stadium essentially. And, uh, it's also about, you know, wrecking balls of your life and, you know, moving past, you know, starting anew and, and the end of things and the end of relationships and the end of, uh, chapters of your life. So, I mean, I can't hear that song without welling up because it has a personal rate. Literally, you know, I'm a big Giants fan. I've been to the Giants stadium and, you know, it's just being there on that night where he debuted that song. It's very rare. You hear an artist, even as somebody like Bruce play a new song for the first time and you're into it almost never happens. Yeah. In fact, um, I was very disappointed though. I knew it wouldn't happen, but Wrecking Ball had come out and uh, here in Dallas, they had built the new, you know, death, death star, Jerry world, you know, which by the way, you know, Eli won the first game played at that stadium right. and then signed the locker, you know, uh, way to go. F you, uh, Eli to uh, us cowboy fans. Uh, and, but when they were, imploding texas stadium you know i was like why aren't they playing wrecking ball like what would, yeah. would, would i realize it's about the giant stadium but it's a perfect song to be playing for you know this imploding this texas stadium where all these legendary games played um yeah i think wrecking ball like many bruce's songs like um you know my city of runs is a you know, not only about 9-11, but it worked when after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, after, you know, um, when, you know, for the actual boardwalk that was, you know, was having tough times, he originally wrote it for. I know I had a guest who's from Northern Ireland, and when they played My City of Ruins, he got to tears thinking about all the strife that had been there in Ireland over the years. Um, so like many of Bruce's songs, right, there's so many meanings in that, that he, he speaks to us individually um, and we each find our own meanings in those, that, that music and those lyrics. Yeah. I think that song gets better with time. Um, you know, I remember it came out, I, I, it was on the rising, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And uh I thought it was okay. You know, it's a good song. Is yeah. I liked Lonesome Day and Mary's Place. Uh, those are my tracks on the album. But yeah. in the 20 years since the rising, that's that's the standout track on the album for sure. You know, I th- that is so well said because um I love Mary's Place. I just I I just think it's a great song. Um but you're and yeah and the rising is the only show i've seen bruce 16 times and it's the only song he's played every time i've seen him because my first right. show was in 2002 at the rising and so just by luck of the draw that's a song he's played every time but i i think you're right if you had to pick you know once again one of the things that would make a great list for count rockula is okay you can only pick one song per each album what are you going to pick 
right? Oh, well, God, how do you pick between Thunder Road and Born to Run? You know, how do you, you know? Uh, you don't, so, you pick Jungle Land. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, this is my controversy. I'm not a fan of Jungle Land. Yeah, I can't help you there, man. I, I know. know. That's what everyone says. Uh, there, in fact, there is some episodes I do where um, I have 11 questions and you uh, have to pick the the challenge is pick a Springsteen song to answer each question and you can only use one song once. So great song to hear live song that made you fall in love with Bruce song. You could hear over and over again. You have to pick a different one. And the first question is song. You don't like song you hate and or song. And then another one, you song you think is overrated. And I always tell my guest, Hey, I pick song that's overrated, Jungle Land. So you are covered. You can pick any freaking song in his catalog and you will not get booed as much as I do. Right, right. John and I continued to have a great conversation. So to keep the episode at a fairly reasonable length, I'm going to split it in two parts. So come back later this week for part two of my discussion with John. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listening, Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.